0: Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name's Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us back on the podcast, Susie Larson, author, radio talk show host, inspirational speaker, and just phenomenal to have her back with us again today. Specifically, we're going to talk about um, her new book release, May His Face Shine Upon You, 90 Biblical Blessings for Mother and Child. And just a phenomenal time with her, just learning from her the Genesis story about her beginning to pray blessings, um, share blessings with others, um, how God had spoken that into her heart, what biblical blessings look like today in a world that seems rushed and hurried, and uh, different things that mothers in our culture that we live in, that mothers are faced with, that maybe they weren't faced with in the past, and just her encouragement for that. We talk about prayers that we and blessings that mothers can share for for an anxious child, or maybe a child struggling with fear. Maybe a mother that is has the challenge of the, living in the social media world, where the influence of other people's opinions seems to be more important than other. And this, in the other part, we talk about that I thought was fascinating was blessings um, for going through spiritual warfare. Not something that you necessarily see in books um, frequently. So that's what I was. Yeah, I was excited to learn from her, and I, I love the book in the sense that it it provides those blessings you you can share for both mother and child going through specific challenges and. Spe- specific things in their life. And just a phenomenal time with her, enjoyed hanging out with her, and hope uh, she has another book coming out in August, and uh, hopefully we can get her back on the podcast um, to talk about that too. do ask you to continue to subscribe to the podcast, I know the podcasts I subscribe to are the ones I listen to, because I have them there every Monday when I get ready to listen to my podcast for the week. So, well, there's no time better than now to get started, so here we go. Welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here again today with a friend of the podcast, Susie Larson. Susie, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Aaron, it's just always a treat to get to chat with you. Thanks for having me.
0: It is, it is an honor. Susie, for those who, that didn't listen to the first episode, would you just take a few minutes and share um, how you're doing and a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, Let's see where to start. I've lived quite a life. Um, My (laughs) hubby and I just celebrated our 37th wedding anniversary. We have three grown sons. They're all married, and one of our sons has uh, three grandchildren. Um, I serve as a radio host and an author and a speaker, and so... Those are kind of our, our uh, modes for me anyway of communication. My husband's a commercial construction manager, so he builds hospitals and sports stadiums. But on the side, we have work in Rwanda uh, that we've done with uh, building a school there for children. And he mentors some young men in Rwanda. So we to have a heart connection yeah. for the dear people of Rwanda. So we've got our hands in a number of things um, and we're, we're super grateful.
0: It sounds like it. It sounds like it. I didn't know that that was what your husband does, but that's that's exciting.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, he uh, is like he is. I always call him my Boaz Solomon because he's got, you know, this uh, just a savvy, amazing sense. But he's he just carries himself like a shepherd and a pasture. So and in construction, it's the alpha male. And there, there are female, of course, that work there, too, but they're tough. These yeah. are tough men and women. Yep. And he's a gentle giant of a man. Wow. And so it's like, I feel like the way that he runs his jobs, and he cares for the hearts of people, it is really a beautiful thing to watch. So
0: very, very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. Well, we're going to spend a little bit of time today talking about um, your book, May His Face Shine Upon You, 90 Biblical Blessings for Mothers, um, mothers and child sorry, mother and child. Um, so I, I read through it. I'm, I'm not a mother. I am a child. I, I do have a mom. Um, and it was, it was fascinating honestly very encouraging um, for me. But before we jump into some of those, what are some of the challenges you're seeing that mothers are facing in the current culture of today? And maybe some of the reasons why you wanted to share these blessings?
1: Well, they moms today are facing things that we never faced when we were raising hmm. our kids. And I would say it goes right back to the core of identity, of who God is and who you are because of who God is, that is what the enemy is after. And if he can go to that, if he can say, did God really say, do you really think you are? He can kind of get in there, find an inroad and dismantle everything that God wants to do in your life. And you know, the John 10, 10 sums it up. He comes to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus says, but i come that you have life and life to the fullest and life abundantly that is still true today so even though the challenges are starker because the the birth pangs are getting close together the promises are still as potent as they've ever been and we serve the same god he has Mm -hmm. the same compassion the same power the same intention to gently lead those who are with young and i i would even say you know when that enemy comes in like a flood The Bible says the Lord raises up a standard. So when times are tougher, I just feel like the Lord draws even closer still to His children. So,
0: Amen. Amen. And it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a. We are living in interesting days, and um, and it's not. For a while, I just thought, well, maybe it's in the West. Um, but living in Africa, it is. It's everywhere. I mean, I don't know. I can't say it's everywhere. I can say. In the West and in Africa, it's some common themes, common conversations. And um, as you said, the enemy does come to kill, steal and destroy. And uh, yeah, and that's that is that is evident. You share these biblical blessings. And um, can you share the the power of biblical blessings? And then how is there like a, a Genesis story of how you started using biblical blessings and praying those in your life?
1: Absolutely. So, first of all, you know, I see an, uh, a biblical blessing as a declaration that affirms what God has already promised us. And you think when you, you you're no stranger to international travel, when you land, when you land, they hand you a declaration form to declare. Yeah. What is on your person? What are you taking with you? And and to me, this isn't wishful thinking or positive thoughts. It really is getting to know our Creator, getting to know the Word of God. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that's Jesus. He dwelt among us, and and the darkness cannot extinguish it. Nothing can snap, you know, snuff out that light. That's Jesus and his word. And as we get to know what he won for us, um, and we walk in that, then we start to just declare that over our lives, and I I think it's been misused where we've looked Hmm. at God as a means to an end, and we name it, claim it, you know, I want the red Corvette, whatever, and that is so, that is immature Christianity, but all the riches of the heavenly world belong to us, when we understand, you know, that when we abide in the vine, love, joy, peace, patience, I mean, the fruit of the Spirit, the promises are ours. And I, I, the genesis uh, of this idea was, you know, my backstory, but I had a lot of trauma uh, and Mm. a lot of things where I look at, you know, just recently I've been walking through the timeline of the most traumatic events in my life as God has been leading me on a current healing journey. And I realized there is a consistent pattern of attack that the enemy has used. Again, he does with everybody in my Hmm. situation, attacking me when I'm most vulnerable. So because of that, I was living bracing for impact, waiting for the next shoe to drop, living a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. And so I, about 10 years ago, I was thinking, and I, I'm not, I was, kind of reluctantly active on social media only because my publisher pushed me, but I'm an introvert. (laughs) I don't do selfies. And so I'm like, I got nothing to say. And they're like, you actually really need to be on there. And, and, but I was watching other authors kind of Talk act, you know, almost act like they're celebrities. Oh, I'm going grocery shopping if you want to come with me, And I'm like, yeah, not doing that, you know, But I remember one night feeling like I'm afraid and I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. and I'm wondering how it's going to go with my kids going to a public school and and, you know, things like that, you know, and i I thought I can't be the only one. So I wrote a mm-hmm. blessing on my Facebook page, and I wrote something like, you know, when you crawl under the covers tonight, may you know you're not under your circumstances. You're under the uh, under the shadow of his wing and he's wow. got you. And I wrote this, you know, based on scripture Yeah. and a bunch yeah. of people shared it. And the next night I was dealing with some other issues. So then I, I wrote a, a new blessing <laughs> and I did that like four nights in a row and I was feeding my soul, but I just kept thinking, uh, enemy wants to isolate us, And I know I'm not alone in this. And it just mm. proved that. By the fifth night, I was good. I was like, I'm good. You know, yeah. and I didn't write anything. And all these people were like, hello, where are you? (laughs) I kept in bed tonight. And uh, it was so that began these blessings that I I post morning and evening. And uh, my publisher just saw how viral they went. And so they asked, we put them in a book with beautiful pictures. So I've got a number of blessing books. And I will tell you, Erin, a side note, uh, they're being plagiarized all over the place, which is, you know, whatever. But it's so funny. I was accused of plagiarizing my own material. I, somebody sent me a private Instagram message. You know, it's against the law to steal people's content. I'm like, oh, what do you mean? And they're like, well, these blessings. I'm like, no, no, I wrote them. But they're like, oh, you're
0: everywhere.
1: But I got bigger fish to fry. So I'm letting right. the Lord sort that out. But all of that to say, uh, there's something so powerful. And if you go back to Jewish culture, mm. the, the, the Jewish people understand this, and they still mm. do this today, where the children know every week, at least they're going to have a blessing spoken over them, either at Shabbat or Mm. or even special occasions like birthdays and holidays. And they're biblical blessings where they're calling out the greatness in Mm. someone. And I just think it is it needs to make comeback because we live in a culture that's quick to curse, you know, Mm. quick to speak death, not life. And uh, in fact, if you don't mind, interrupt me if you need to. No, no, go ahead. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, in other words, those who have an appetite for words will eat the fruit of their words. They'll eat the produce from the seeds they planted. And the word death in that passage means exactly what it says, death. Death can happen when we speak death. But life, listen to this, to live prosperously, to be alive and to be restored to health. Words hmm. can do that. So you can, hmm. you can speak life. So if you see your words as seeds going into a soil and you want to do that for your own soul and for your children and wow. for people around you, um, you know, the seed demands a harvest. And when yeah. seed goes in the ground and falls on fertile soil, things start to change.
0: Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing, and the courage you shared. We were going through those struggles. That I coming back to that point of the enemy likes to isolate, and it takes someone as you did to have courage to share. And let other, I think, let others know that they're, because I think the enemy wants to th- wants us to think you're unique, you're the only one to struggle with this, and and then he isolates. And we see that, you know, I was on safari, uh, you know, two weeks ago, and you see that in the animal world, that's how the, that's how they, you know, they attack an animal, they isolate it, they take it down. But where did you find the courage then to share and put that out publicly? Because I think... It would be in the body of Christ if we were willing to share that openly with each other, I think we would be healthier and stronger together. Is that, is that a fair question? Does that make sense? It
1: absolutely makes sense. And I don't know if you've heard the analogy of, um, of when a shepherd has a sheep that's prone to wander, and it, the little sheep wanders off, gets stuck in the thicket, breaks its leg, so the shepherd goes after it carries it around his neck and mm. this this lame little sheep when it's so close in proximity to the shepherd its little heart starts to beat in rhythm with the shepherd's heart and where mm. it once was a wanderer now it becomes one that once it heals stays right mm. on the heels of the shepherd because it's mm. grown this attachment like I can't mm. be far away from you mm. and sometimes we oftentimes I would say we think of prone to wander as uh, wandering into the ditch of just sin you know yeah. I've just outright indulgence right. but there's another wandering that you can do and Aaron is someone who's worked in radio for 16 years. It's so interesting to me that you know when they when people say, you know, so-and-so fell from grace, like I'll interview some leader and a couple of years later, you know, right. he falls and everybody says he fell from grace. But Paul says when we fall from grace, when he uses that term, it's when you try to build a structure to save yourself that's different from the gospel, from grace. That's what falling from grace is. It's like, have Hmm. you forgotten? You're trying Hmm. to make it on your own. Hmm. I was the wanderer. I'm a rule follower, a people pleaser. I'm not not a people pleaser anymore, but I definitely was before. But a rule follower and lived in a lot of fear and all of that. Um, so my wandering ways were constantly into striving. And then God made me task-oriented and disciplined and focused. So I I could have built structures, <laughs> you know what I mean? But but and I'm not saying he made me sick, but he allowed the sickness to break my legs, so to speak, hmm. because I became so dependent on the Lord, hmm. so so dependent that my heart started to beat in rhythm with his. Hmm. And I, he was—he's the best thing about me. And I just feel like, as I've cultivated such an intimacy with him, the the gap has really widened between Hmm. the power of others' opinions versus the power Hmm. of God's opinion. And I just start to, you know, the more you identify in intimate ways with the Savior, that you—he's the vine and you're the branches. The more you realize what your call is, and, and the opinions of the world just sort of lose their. I'm here to help heal the sick and reach the lost, and encourage the faint-hearted, and mobilize the righteous, because there's a day of account coming, and I want as many people, you know, ready to meet Jesus as possibly is possible, so that's why. I just feel like whatever it takes to get us all to a place where we can show up in life in that abundance, so we can be mobilized to do the things He's called us to, that's what matters.
0: Yeah, it's a good word. Great word, actually. And so you you hit on a little bit. We live in our culture's fast pace. It's moving. What the biblical blessings, what does it look like in a, in our fast-paced world today?
1: Well, you know, that's a great question. I, I would say two answers. One, I go back to the Old Testament. It's about teach these to your children when you walk, yeah. when you sit, when you rise, like make it a way of life, right? Hmm. But I also feel like because of the fast pace, because of the isolation There's no substitute for presence. And so Hmm. to me, like these blessings... They take less than a minute to read, but I would love it. If you get on your child's level, be prepared to read that and and speak your own words to them. Honey, do you know that you are a masterpiece that you, Hmm. you know, God makes no mistakes. And when he looks at you, his heart beats out of his chest. He loves you so much. I want to speak a blessing. And this isn't just because mama just loves you. This is because God made you and he has a vision and a plan and a purpose for your life. So, and I know I would, you know, what else I would do is, I would teach the power of a fertile soil. I would to children. Hmm. I would go and go to the parable of the soils because when seed lands on hardened ground or or, or ground and soil that's, you know, choked out with the cares of life and the pursuit of wealth. And children live in those same pressures that we do just in a different social setting in school. But those things choke the the seed, right? They Hmm. choke the life of the seed but if we could teach them about, this is why the Bible says to guard your heart because when the soil is clean and you're pulling the weeds and you're really, when you think this is my responsibility before God and when yeah. he puts his seed in, it can bear 30 to 60 to 100 times what's planted. So, if I sow so. kindness into you, kindness is going to flow out of you When hmm. we start to teach them. This is, this is a supernatural transaction. This isn't ought to's and should do's. This hmm. is a get to. You, you have a, a beautiful soil in your story that Jesus wants to plant all kinds of seeds in that produce a harvest that not only allow you to come into the abundance that God has for you, but that nourishes many others. People will feed on the fruit from your life, and people will be so grateful that you walk the earth because you're doing and living exactly what God created you to do and and be. So that's
0: awesome. That's awesome. And the other, that fast-paced world, and that's when I read through the blessings, it, it really... Uh, they were they were vitally important because they spoke to to where we're at today and um one of the ones that really jumped out to me was the the a mother who has an anxious child and maybe a child struggling with fear and um could you just share how how a mother can speak blessing over a child, and then maybe for a mother that also is struggling with anxiety and fear, I'm also in that situation because when I'm a father, I'm not a mother. But when your child is struggling with anxiety and fear, it can create a sense of fear and anxiety in the parent. At least that's my experience. So anyway, would you just sometimes share? Sometimes little... it's
1: the other way around. Sometimes yeah. when the parent struggles with fear, then the child struggles. Exactly. With fear, right? Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: and again. Yeah. I was the poster child for fear. I mean, that was something that I struggled with and I fought with and God has brought me so far. I've learned so much about fear, but I always say you can't impart what you don't possess. And Hmm. so I think, you know, even when you fly, put on your own oxygen mask first before you assist your child. I, I think that... Our, when we're raising children, it brings up our stuff. And hmm. I don't think that's any accident. I think it's an invitation and an opportunity yeah. where when you start to see your little ones and you go, oh, and you're reminded or triggered or whatever, you're not supposed to stuff that down and try to fix them or rescue them. That's the wrong reaction. You're supposed to respond to the invitation. Lord, what in me? What's the next thing you want to heal? is there a crooked way that you want to make straight? Is there a lie that I picked up when life let me down? And then as you start to, you know, God imparts truth to you that sets you free and that overflow, you impart it to your child. You say, Mm -hmm. you know what? mom felt really afraid yeah. and, and this is what God taught me and he doesn't want you to be afraid and you know one thing that was so interesting in one of my shows i had a he's a neurobiologist science, i don't know what he he's a christian counselor but he understands neuroscience and then trauma therapy and dr jim wilder is his name but he said you know we hear so often to people buck up put fear under your feet and that kind of a thing but he says you know there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. He said it isn't buck up buttercup. It really is. If you picture a child that's afraid to go into a dark room, you pick up that child. Picture a loving father hmm. picking up his child and first just attaching to that child going, I'm your dad. Hmm. I love you. I'm not going to do anything bad. I'm, I'm protecting you. Hmm. Where they get such a rest in the love of their father, where they're assured of that. And then he goes, now we're going to walk in the room together. You ready? And they walk into the dark room and then they flip the light on. He says, shoving a child in the room and say, buck up, you know, but we do that to each other with some of these kind of war statements. But he said, overcoming fear is always about understanding love. Hmm. And I just think there's so much that our kids will respond to uh, when it comes to understanding the love of God, because it's not that we love him. It's that he loved us. And if it's always yeah. about driving and striving and, you know, having the right response, we'll just teach them to be little Pharisees by hmm. reacting to their circumstances versus always responding to God's love. I mean, it's the answer of so, to so many questions we have, you know. Yeah.
0: And I think you you hit on it. I, I share that I've never been. Well, I shouldn't say never, but. Very infrequently in my education career, have I been rewarded for asking good questions, but giving the right responses. And mm-hmm. so I think sometimes um, as parents having the um, asking questions and that allowing our children to ask questions of us about being fearful, about be, have, having anxiety and and being open to those questions rather than just wanting them to give us the right response. Does that make sense at all?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, again, I've done a lot of study. I wrote you, I think you and I talked about my book, Fully Alive, but I did a lot of study on on the brain science part of it, because when the surges for me, the symptoms were so terrifying, fear was at a peak for me. And I have two really, I have three doctors, all of them are Christian, and but two of them had said the same thing to me, you know, days apart. Susie, we're going to work to bring the inflammation down in your body. Mm -hmm. you got to do something about that fear, because every time you have fear, you literally open a door to a cascade of inflammatory response inflammation Hmm. is on the rise and when you're in fear your your capacity to learn new things goes down when you're in fear your cells close down so even when you eat healthy food you don't get the nourishment from the food. Hmm. But when you're in love, because we're wired for love, your yeah. cells open up, your capacity to learn new things and retain information goes up. So I feel like there's a way you could teach that to your children in kind hmm. of a science faith sort of way where you just yeah. say, you know what? You have an enemy and he wants you to be afraid because he's so threatened by what you're going to learn today from God. But hmm. if you can remember that you have a father who loves you and when you, when you are in a place of trusting his love, everything in your body works as it should and you get more nourishment from your food And you have a capacity to learn from your teacher and pay attention today when you're in school at the ways that the enemy is trying to get you to be distracted from love, because that just means that he's threatened by your life and you are under God's care. And I think there's a way to speak to them age appropriate to teach them, because when they start to become astute to the Hmm. enemy's ways, they're going, I recognize that. Hmm. That's that's a trap. That's a bait. I'm not I'm not taking it, you know.
0: Good word. I think the the power of who you are is, is you, you have the knowledge, but you live it out and you're passionate about it. And that's, those three things are very, sometimes you have somebody that knows the knowledge, but they're not living out or somebody that maybe living but doesn't know exactly what, but yeah, it's just phenomenal, yeah, to learn from you and spend time with you. Um so in a world of social media and influence, um, where other people's opinions seem to matter more than sometimes our own. I'm not saying that's true, but if sometimes it feels that way, um, what are some blessings a mother can speak to gain freedom from those opinions and rest in Christ rather than what everybody else is saying about her as a mother or about her children?
1: You know, I I love partial fasting. And uh, Mm. I will tell you, you can always tell when you're on the rumble strips when a person's post has the power to ruin your day. It just means you need more reserves. You know what I mean? Mm. You need to come back into the flow. Yeah. I mean, um, truly. And I think we, we, you know, it's almost like with, with healthy, like diet and exercise, the drift feels slow, but then it takes one little thing to trigger you. And you're like, oh, my goodness, look at how far I've drifted, right? Yeah. Well, the same thing is in our thought process and our perspective. You know, it's just... It's easier not to contend for the first perspective around who you are, who God is, what your purpose is. That's why scripture says, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run the race marked out before us. You Hmm. know, if if COVID has done anything, I hope it's what, what, you know, awakened the church because in many ways we were sleeping and phoning it in and we can maybe say we were sincere in our faith, but there was so much of us that probably parts of our lives that were fragmented and not Hmm. fully engaged in the purposes of God. And I just say that when you start to let go of some of the really um, important spiritual disciplines and again they're not to check a box they're not to get points with God but they really are guardrails and they and they create space so you can hear from God and see things clearly when those things start to go and your wheel starts to turn to the rumble strips it just takes so little to be bumped right into the ditch so Mm. I would just say let that be information if you're triggered and poked and you're kind of like you feel your thoughts go south it just means it's time to fast because you know what is man you know I mean Mm. truly even in In the Psalms, it says even the powerful aren't what they appear to be. They're like a puff of wind. You know, the voice of the Lord thunders. The voice Hmm. of the Lord speaks over the storm. And you want to know what he has to say about you in your life. And the truth is, he has more thoughts about you than the grains of sand. And every one of those thoughts towards you is holy. Not everybody has a holy thought every minute of the day towards you, but God does, and he knows you best, and he loves you most, and he's the one who can speak destiny and vision into your life and go, you know, what this feels true, but it isn't true. This circumstance, the enemy really orchestrated to confirm a bias that isn't actually Hmm. accurate, so I just say that the more the times get evil, the more we need our perspective from God.
0: Wow. And so that idea of fasting, is that would that be fasting social media and those opinions, or is that more of a physical physical fast of, of food, or is that something you pray and ask God, you know, to draw whatever direction you would want you to go?
1: You Does know, some sense? have argued that fasting should only be food. And I mm. just completely disagree with that because we have so much. You know, our environment is more toxic than ever. And hmm. and again, people who have health issues, I used to fast food and then I had to stop for like 15 years because of hmm. some of the challenges that I had. But I could still say no to my flesh in other ways. And I felt it. And yeah. it was good because yeah. of carving out the stuff to create space. And that is the purpose to say, Lord, what in my hand do you want so that I can lay hold of more of you? And God is so meticulous and miraculous. You know, social media, I think, is a fantastic thing to, to fast from you know, hmm. if that's what the Lord is telling you, but it might be that, that, that is what triggered you, but you've made a provision for something that is not sin in itself, wow. but you've gotten selfish around it, you've made rules around it, you've done workarounds to get it, and it's hmm. your thing, so you don't even know it, but it's become an idol, and so, and again, wow. God's not a killjoy, he's not out to ruin your fun, right. but the enemy is a legalist, and any, any road he can find in, he's taken it, so if there's an idol in your house, It's time to smash it. So but only for the purpose of freedom and being awakened to the better, you know, any idol is just a, it's a small G God and it's a counterfeit to the one true God who actually is the one who brings life, you know,
0: good word, good word. One of the, the other blessings that I saw and, and read was blessings from others, um, when it comes to spiritual warfare and, uh, there's not, there's not a whole lot of books or blessings when specifically addressing spiritual warfare. And honestly, the majority of the audience is listening into this podcast. They live in places, they know spiritual warfare is real. They know the enemy is there. And so I thought that was just, yeah, for, uh, for people that live our life, such a blessing, um, Could you share maybe some words of encouragement or how a mother facing spiritual warfare could begin to use biblical blessings um, in the face of these battles that many of us know are are real?
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I'll just say a little word about brain science. I joke, you know, I've read books and a bunch of articles, so that pretty much makes me an expert, but (laughs) not really, (laughs) but I love it because I will tell you the relapse I had seven years ago. So with people with chronic Lyme, Most often have a a mold deficient gene where you can't process mold. And Hmm. so when you go into have a mold exposure, let's say you don't have that gene. One in four people do. Let's just say you don't have it. You go into a black mold building, you might get a stuffy nose or achy body, but your body will process it. When you don't have the gene, it basically sits in your system and then turns on your nervous system. So I'd actually had it attack my brain and I had seven areas of atrophy Hmm. or swelling in my brain that affected my ability to speak. Uh, finding the right words spell I'm an author and I I couldn't remember how to spell very basic words I mean it was horrifying so I'm like I have to learn how the brain works I got to do a deeper dive in scripture and I've got to figure this out because I am not going down without a fight so all that to say I really did have to contend and wrestle but it wasn't wasted on me all that to say What I learned around brain science is that, and this is scientists apart from faith. So they have just learned scientifically that when your thoughts go rogue, and that's the battlefield, right? The mind, that's where the enemy gets at us first. As he puts thoughts in our mind, he creates fear, trauma, circumstances that he's had a long time to study us. So he goes, okay, that's a weak spot. That's a vulnerability. That's an unresolved fear. That's an unresolved dream and a heartbreak. Hmm. And she's got the prodigal over there. And so he knows how to orchestrate a scenario and blast you with a fear trauma where suddenly you're bracing for impact. And you feel it viscerally and physiologically because you have all this memory. Because, you know, those things make an imprint basically Hmm. on our cellular blueprint. It's pretty interesting. So what scientists have understood is when we kind of... um, let our thoughts go rogue based on what the enemy has really placed in our lives. The only way to stop those rogue thoughts is the spoken word. This is what scientists Hmm. are saying apart from uh, faith, but you add faith into that. So let's say suddenly you're, you're going into the ditch of fear and trauma and what ifs and borrowing tomorrow's trouble, you know, on today's strength, you, you speak the word and you, you really interrupt the thoughts. So there's two things that are really, I think important to do. If you're going into an anxious ditch, I would rise up and start marching around your house and declaring who God is and who you are, because hmm. and those are seeds. And that's warfare to say, I am a child of God. I belong to the most high God. He sent forth his word to heal me and rescue me from the grave. No weapon formed against me will prosper. You got to know the word so that yeah. you can start to speak that word. Right. But then it's actually just on a practical level, super wise to go do something different. Go for a bike ride, exercise, where you bring yourself into the courts of heaven. You say, Lord, I'm your child. My enemy is attacking me. Will you render a verdict against him? You're the judge. You're the king. I'm your child. Will you deal with him? And I'm going for a bike ride. And I think there's something so powerful about taking your stand and then getting into the courts of heaven to say, God, advocate for me. Jesus is my atoning sacrifice. He won it all for me. I don't have a leg to stand on except for his blood, but I have it. He's at my right hand. I'm not going to be shaken. His spirit is in me. And so, Lord, stretch out your hand and deal with my adversary. And I borrow that from when Jesus said how to pray, he hmm. used the parable of the widow with the unrighteous judge. She is a woman, she had no right to be in court, wasn't recognized in court. She was a widow, so she had no resources to be in court, even if she wasn't a woman. And uh, she had an unrighteous judge who didn't care about people or fear God. And Jesus used that as an example to be a lesson in contrast, not saying if we bug God enough, he'll finally roll his eyes and give us <laughs> what we want. He's like, no, if she can get justice, And he used the term justice, a judicial term. How much more will you, because you are a child of God? You have Jesus as your advocate and your intercessor. How much more will you get justice from your enemy than this woman? Because you have resources, you have access, you have advocacy. And so to me, it's really caused me to pray from a different, from a real confident place that Hmm. this is not an equal fight. The enemy fights dirty, but Hmm. God is sovereign. Yeah. And we tuck ourselves under his wing. We remind our souls who God is and who we are, and we let God do the rest of the fighting for us. Wow.
0: So. wow. Amazing. Amazing. And you mentioned that um, you talked about a prodigal and, uh, and when you were sharing this a minute ago, maybe there's a mother that's listening in and probably a father also listening in. And they've been praying for one of them or of the children that that is a prodigal. That's they've they've planted the seeds that you've talked about, but they're just not at the present time. They're not seeing um, not seeing any changes. Um, would you have any words of encouragement for her or him?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you what you've been doing, I mean, there is something powerful about persisting in prayer, but sometimes you need a different approach. I mean, sometimes God may there may be something in you that God is saying, I'm going to get to that. But right now, what this is stirring up in you, I want to deal with that. Right. Hmm. And there was I had somebody on my show who had wandered. He was raised in a solid Christian home and he'd wandered into a really uh, prodigal, prodigal lifestyle. And every time his mom saw him, He he was. she was begging him, please, please, we didn't raise you like this. And the more that she begged in fear and sadness, the more he locked his elbows and dug his heels in. But then the Lord said, enjoy me, cultivate intimacy with me again. I've got him, enjoy me. So suddenly she let go of him and just released Hmm. him to God. And I think when you have a prodigal, that feels very irresponsible. So let me unpack that in just a moment. But what she did was, you know what, I stopped enjoying God. I stopped delighting. I lost my first love, right? I'm hmm. trying to do this thing over here. So she just started to let go and and sink into the love of the father and enjoy his presence and the son. Said every time he came back to her home house she had such a glow on her face that he said the distinction between darkness and light became more and more stark. So he'd walk out from her threshold into darkness and the darkness, because he wasn't defending himself anymore. He was bearing the weight of his consequences and his Mm. choices. And he saw that she was joyful. He was the one bringing this up on himself. And one day he sat up in the morning and said, I'm done with this. And he walked away, came home. And when he was on my show, he was uh, set to be married and ministering in the kingdom Mm. and, and I say all that, I'm going to go to Psalm 46:10. Hmm. Be still and know that I am God, for I will be exalted among the nations, I'll be exalted above the earth. Be still or cease striving means these things. Let go, hmm. sink down, relax, and in some cases, be quiet. And so when you are... Whatever area you're striving in, maybe it's with the prodigal, but maybe it's finances. Maybe it's with your weight. Maybe it's with your marriage. But any place where you're building your own structure, where you're striving in your own strength, Mm. because it's getting out of control and you can't deal with it, right? Especially if you're hyper-responsible, like I am. Uh, Letting go and sinking down and relax feels irresponsible. But it really is letting go and letting God. Sinking down into his love. Relaxing into his love. That's sometimes the greatest warfare that you can do is to rest mm. in the Lord. I mean, really, that is like, that just shows how much you trust him. And then be quiet means if your own words are bearing witness against the promises of God, if you're spouting your fears back to the, the power of the, the tongue, you know, mm. you really are speaking things totally in conflict with the things God has promised you. Stop talking. If you mm. can't, you know, if you can't speak his promises, just stop until you start to, the peace starts to come back. And then it says, and know that he is. God. And that word no is an intimate encounter. So what God is saying is in your area of wrestling and striving, I actually want you to encounter me. I actually want you to know my love on a deeper level because there's nothing he allows in our life. He doesn't cause sickness. He doesn't cause prodigals. He allows it because he wants to propel us into a new place of intimacy. And I would say purpose in the kingdom, because mm. if we really live totally submitted lives, any battle is here to propel us into a next place that God has for us. So ultimately, mm. we got to know the enemy's on a short leash, but we so often go around the same mountain again and again, begging and pleading God and arguing with, the, you know, our devil and whatever, yeah. where I say, you know what, we've got a judge who's also our father. We've got an advocate in Jesus. We have a lot more authority than we think over this battle. Wow.
0: Amazing encouragement. One last question for you, and then I'm going to ask if you pray for us. Um, as you look to the future, what is there something you're excited about, or some things you're excited about as you look look to the future? We hear so much negative in the world, and um, I've just been trying to end the podcast with some things that people are excited about.
1: Well, I love that question so much, and you're right. I think if you you have more uh, intake of the bad news to the point right it upstages the good news. It's time for a fast because the good (laughs) news is so much more powerful than the bad news. And what I'm excited about, I believe it's already coming, but I have sensed for many years, I've been seeing in my spirit a wave, a massive wave of outpouring of the Holy Spirit coming, where prodigals are coming home. Chronically mm. sick people are healed. People who have been praying forever and not seen a breakthrough will suddenly see a breakthrough. But if we have to prepare for rain. And, and I've been talked at the beginning, Aaron, about the power of the seed and the importance of the soil. That's what the Lord keeps bringing me back to, that the, the seed demands a harvest and not a seed that you plant and then keep digging up. Is anything mm. happening? You know, you go, I, I've heard from the Lord on this. I have His Word. And and watering it, you know, and I want you to just refer to this passage in Hebrews. Um, I'm just using it kind of as a word picture. Now, hear this. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. Let's just stop there. There, there, there are seasons of healing rain and outpouring that come, they're determined by God. And when we have a a soil that is prepared and we've put seed in the soil, when the rain comes, it will bear a crop. And then Mm -hmm. you further receive God's blessing. So not only do you receive his blessing as you're doing the farmer work of uprooting weeds and rocks and boulders of unforgiveness and fear and all the junk that doesn't belong in your soil, just tending the soil just makes you, uh, just equips you for the kingdom, and there, and God is working along with you, but when the healing rain comes and it springs up, you really do see God's favor because you've been about the Father's business, so hear that again with that mindset. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop of the farmer, it is God's blessing, but if a field bears thorns and thistles, it's useless, and the farmer will condemn the field and burn it. Now, you think about the parable of the soils where there's the cares of this life, the pursuit of wealth, remember the thorns and thickets, choke out the life of the seed, Hmm. There are a lot of believers who are not tending to the soil. There may be Christian in profession and they've checked a box, but they're living like practical atheists. They're still, all the habits and the pursuits are the same as the world. When the healing rain comes, it's not like there's going to suddenly be a harvest in their lives. It's going to be a dumpy mess because Hmm. the rain only produces a harvest on the seed, right? And listen to this, but dear friends, even though we're talking this way, we don't really believe that it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things things that come with salvation and this is what I'm learning in fact my my guest Scotty Smith said this the other day he said there's nothing more than the gospel and there's so much more to the gospel mm. and that's what I want to leave you with is is you know for by grace we are saved through faith Ephesians 2 28:9 that word is so so it isn't just saved from the penalties of judgment it's restored to health it's made whole there's a full restoration of our life and it's not anything you can earn or by, it's something that you possess by faith. So if we are tending to the ground, when the latter rain comes, we're going to be ready for it. I believe it's already starting to sprinkle and we're going to see a, a great outpouring soon.
0: Awesome. Will you pray for us today?
1: Yeah, I'd be honored. Well, Father, I thank you for my dear brother Aaron and the amazing work that he does. I pray blessing on his family. I pray that he would operate, God, in signs and wonders. He would lay hands on the sick and they'd recover, Lord God. The depressed would would come out of from under that depression and they would know joy and purpose and motivation, God. I pray that people who are... Um, walking a crooked path that you'd make it straight. And so for every person listening today, Lord, would you tend to the deepest desires of their heart? Will you heal the hurt, hurting? Would you would you deliver the depressed God? Would you bring prodigals home? Would you give us vision for all that you wanna do in this day? Lord, I pray you'd even expose in our lives, the idols, expose in our lives, uh, the workarounds that we're doing that keep us from having faith in you for the greater answer. And so Jesus, help us to discern fact from fiction, truth from lie, Lord. Lord God, and help us to walk in a purity and a power that shows the world that you are very much at work today and you very much in love with your people and very much intend to bring a massive revival in these days. And we want to be part of it. Lord, help us live ready in Jesus name.